When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the following episode, you're going to hear Jaden and Michael discuss their first impressions of the first 20-ish or so hours of Red Dead Redemption 2. There are no major story spoilers in the episode, but as always, we want to respect the fact that you might want to go in blind, so consider this your spoiler warning. Also, one more note, we had some technical difficulties in this episode. You're going to hear some weirdness in Jaden's microphone, but the discussion was really good. We still wanted to share it, and we decided to release it later rather than never. So without further ado. Hello, welcome to Lore Party. I'm your host for this episode, Michael, and joining me is Jaden. That would be Prospector Paris to you. Well, oh my goodness. Well, howdy there. It's good to see you on this this here podcast. Yes, it's a fine podcast you have here. I I heard it's Red Dead Redemption Week around these parts. Is that why we're doing these ridiculous yet accurate accents? Oh, I thought uh, my my accent is 100% authentic. Genuine, you say? <laughs> I, 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 I gotta cut that, because that was, uh, this is starting to hurt my voice here, Jaden. Is it hurting you? I, just, I, just a little bit. Uh, you know, I think emotionally, because I think that voice at this point is somewhat offensive, uh, but it's also pretty fun. Exactly. It's, it's all about fun. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Sometimes you just kind of get stuck in the, uh, in the voice. You're just really into the spirit of the games. Honestly, it it we that was a joke intro, but we seriously do get. I, I sometimes catch myself talking in a slight southern twang. I come upstairs from playing video games for like what six, seven hours while I'm playing, and I'm just coming up and like, "Hey, Ma, where we got the food?" And I'm like, "Wait, what am I talking? <laughs> no one's here. What's going on?" I mean, it's even weirder for me because I live alone, so I just start talking to yeah. myself in a southern voice, uh, and it's like, "Wow, I need to see someone about this. This sounds like a problem." <laughs> So, Jaden, you know, we, we've both been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, in preparation for this, for this episode. And, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty of the game itself and its story, I'm just kind of curious of your sort of overall impression of the Western genre and even uh, Red Dead Redemption, uh, the original. So, I mean, I have always been a fan of the Western genre for as long as I can remember. I mean, it's one of... Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I mean, I grew up watching all the old westerns, basically anything with Clint Eastwood in it, my dad and I would watch it. And um, the big thing with, you know, the one of the big staples of the genre is just the journey. That's one of the big experiences with it and telling personal stories. You know, you're not going to get um, big epic struggles in a western because that's not what westerns are built for. Westerns are built for deep interactions between characters and, you know, personal struggles against, you know, the law or against their own redemption or mortality. I think that that theme is super recognizable in Red Dead Redemption 2, Mm -hmm. especially in Red Dead Redemption 1, mostly because their whole story is about basically the death of the Old West. Right, right. 
and it's it's funny because like I never really got into the genre, not early until Red Dead Redemption. Uh, for longest time, my only like exposure to the genre was through kind of like with you with my dad but i was watch those movies kind of at a at a distance as it were because it'd be like you know my mom my sister and i would come home from church and then my dad would either be watching a james bond movie golf or a random western on like you know turner classic movies or something like that and it's always like hey dad's watching his his boring you know country movies with bad lip syncing because <laughs> i never knew it's like oh yeah these are italian actors uh <laughs> and it's like you know i watch i have to watch the, the pokemon movie you know that stuff seems boring and it's like not until i got older that i started to really appreciate the the subtleties Listen, of the, the pokemon movie is still completely uh, quality entertainment right there. exactly it's you know completely like relevant uh, once once upon a time in the west and the pokemon movie are right up there in like the uh, AFI film institutes, you know, film schools. Absolutely. All the classics. Oh, and it's, it's funny. Cause like for, for me, like going back and specifically doing the red dead redemption mini game episode, uh, which was released earlier this week. It's a, it feels like a very classic Western story, even though it's told in the perspective of the West is dying and not really, you know, enjoying the the genre as like a lot of the spaghetti westerns do. It's Red Dead Redemption is a reaction to sort of the stereotypes of the genre. Well, it was a very bold choice by the creators of the game as well, because Rockstar could have very easily just put this like right in the middle of the old west times, you know, like like five minutes after the Civil War ended and the entire area is lawless. But this time they were like, no, we're going to tell the story that's very rarely told where the Old West is essentially being conquered by civilization. And what ends up happening is you have this whole group of people who are just, you know, they're out of a job, essentially. Their their life is leaving them. You know, they're like, oh, no need to rustle cattle. We just buy ours at the market. The yeah. Cowboys are like, what the hell is a market? <laughs> I just go to the ye olde Walmart to get my beef. I don't have to wrangle it up. <laughs> what in the hell is a Kroger's? I, I, I'm supposed to skin this thing and eat it. What's the Kroger's oh, regional grocery store jokes? We have all the hits on this episode of Lore Party. I guess now, kind of going into Red Dead Redemption Two, one thing that kind of, I guess, sort of worried me when the initial announcement was made was that it was going to be a prequel starring a lot of the primary cast of Red Dead Redemption One. And if you played that, you know the fates of probably ninety percent of this cast that we're going to be surrounded by. I'm um, just kind of curious as to going into Red Dead Redemption 2, what were sort of your expectations of what you were playing to see um, from these characters, you know, many of whom we've either played as or know what happens to them? Going to the game, John Marston from Red Dead Redemption 1 was one of my favorite video game characters ever. Um, I loved seeing the the personal struggles that he went through to, you know, accomplish the mission that's set for you in Red Dead 1. But then playing it, and and when I heard that, it was not only was Red Dead 2 going to be a prequel, but it was going to be, you're going to have to play some guy named Arthur Morgan, who I had yeah. never seen before. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Give me John Marston. Give me my scar-faced boy. I want him <laughs> back. I want to play as him. I want to ride around like I did in the old days, and it'll feel great, just like I was back in high school. <laughs> no. Yeah. It turns out that, um, honestly, like, 
I was blown away by how much I actually like even as little into the game I've gotten into and it's I mean saying that I've probably played 20 hours of it and it's a gigantic game. Yeah. Um I just find myself like more and more I hate John now. I cuz I know what he does in later games and I'm like all these people are looking out for him and protecting him and I'm like no. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> he mentions a couple times in Red Dead Redemption 1, it's like, he's just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple man. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of an idiot, you know, doing what I'm told. Uh, but in 2, they really just kind of make him a complete kind of a dumbass. <laughs> he, he's yeah. Just kind of, he's just kind of blindly doing what is being told of him from either, you know, Arthur or, or Dutch or, you know, some of the people who are, you know, higher up in the ranks than him. Which I think really goes to show uh, just how much of a, uh, you know, wooden character some of the rock star protagonists end up being, but it's really through no fault of their own. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a kind of a that's a funny way of putting it. Um, but I guess now that we're, you know, into the weeds and you know, like kind of like you, I've I, I guess I'm still objectively pretty early into the game. I'm still in chapter two, but I must have played the game for like at least like 30 plus hours, you know, kind of playing the game in the same way that I played, you know, No Man's Sky, uh, if you listen to that episode. But it's like just kind of this open, expansive world in which I can kind of absorb everything organically. And it's like, yeah, there's these other missions too with, you know, some of these these people. I was wondering, like, how, how have you been, you know, playing the uh, the game so far? Whenever I get into an open world game like this, I always try to, the first playthrough, I always try to attack the main storyline as aggressively as possible. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the biggest thing for me is I want to experience the story of the game. So I always try to just get to the objectives as quickly as I can, get through the missions as quickly as I can, and get to those those sweet, sweet cutscenes. Because those are really what I came here for. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big Western fan. I love John Wayne and all that good stuff. Um, so I was just sitting there. I'm like, I really want to hear what's going on. Cause you know, I don't know who Arthur Morgan is. I'm playing a pre, this is a really weird, uh, realm we've stumbled into. Cause we're playing a prequel game where the only person we don't know is the person we're spending the most time with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a fun, that's a funny thing. It's like, it's almost like um, I'm trying to think of like a good analogy, but it's like maybe like if you're playing like a Star Wars game and it's like, oh, you're not any of these principal characters. You're this side guy who we never see <laughs> or something like that. Your dash shoot good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's a dumb name. Random. It's like, no, nah, there's three books about him already. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> it, or it's like in the credits of like a movie you see you know someone like guard and number four and it's like oh that's your new protagonist <laughs> in, in, a, in a weird way <laughs> but now that we're sort of meeting some of the characters who we may have only met briefly in red dead redemption one what members of the gang have you sort of responded to sort of most uh, in terms of you know like or even like dislike or just or just intrigue on on your part i was gonna say i think for me one of the characters that made probably the biggest impact uh is probably micah i do not like micah no oh, really <laughs> to me he reminded me a lot of trevor from grand theft auto 5 which was very interesting to me because like um you know in grand theft auto 5 i loved trevor i loved how crazy and outside of the box he was and how wild he could be at times yeah but then when i'm in the setting of red dead redemption 2 i'm just like this guy's a giant liability. Yeah. <laughs> He's just out here running around <laughs> shooting up 
towns and screaming for his guns and i'm just like calm yourself down man we're supposed to be lying low here yeah it's like it's like at some point you think like oh dutch would have just like shot him at some point and would be like hey sorry buddy you're you know you're too much of a liability and just like shot him or something like that i was gonna say um the other characters that well and then on the flip side of that characters i really like um i really like the story of lenny i really like his um whole transition he's trying to prove himself Right. He's relatively new to the gang and he seems to want to try to make a mark. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool how Arthur kind of takes him under his wing a little bit. Yeah. The the the, the scene in which they go uh drinking is that might be one of my favorite Rockstar Games oh missions ever. Absolutely. It's hilarious. It's like one of the few missions like in the in any of their games, Grand Theft Auto or otherwise, is almost just pure comedy. I think, um, you know, it's, it's really cool, too, is a lot of the guys that you first join up with in the mission, or uh, when you first meet them, a lot of them seem to say, oh, yeah, we just met up six months ago, which is, you know, this is a relatively new generation of Dutch's gang, which you, um, Arthur Morgan even says that he's one of the old guard, and, um, you know, it kind of goes to show that the outlaw life is not kind. They don't seem to stick around very often, and while it's not directly stated you can pretty much assume that a lot of their members have caught a bad case of death yeah yeah it's funny because like i've been doing a lot of side missions and things like that and you know arthur will come across you know maybe like a character that you know he knew or is somehow somehow associated with you know the, the the gang and they would ask arthur and be like oh how's you know so-and-so doing and arthur would be like yeah they they died a couple years ago. And it's like that. That's just like a recurring theme. They're like, oh, this guy was cool. He's dead. Which would make sense because at this time, you know, when you first meet Dutch and his gang, they're on the run. They're, they're being chased and not, not only by the law, but by time itself. Their time is pretty much up. Two swords, one for monsters, one for humans. Two podcast hosts, one named Abu, that's me and one named Brett. One podcast on one incredible universe. Tune into our Witcher series here on Lore Party, wherever you get your podcasts. Sorry for the dramatic interruption. Back to your show. Uh, one of my favorite characters that we've been exploring in two is actually Dutch, the, the leader of the gang. And he was like a character in one where... We sort of know him mostly on a mythological level, as it were, being like, it's a character that a lot of people talk about, but we rarely see until um, very late in the into, game. Yeah, very late in the game where he's, you know, gathering up uh, a new gang of mostly Native American people um, to kind of do a like a preservation kind of thing. And one of my favorite, you know, speaking of shots, one of my favorite shots is. Uh, like right at the beginning of the game where the uh, gang is going into the cabin to you know protect themselves from the snow and everything like that it's a pretty wide shot of the surprisingly diverse group of people that they've accumulated throughout the uh you know throughout the months and uh dutch gives a great speech being like hey just stay by me i will keep you safe not like oh yeah stay with us and it's like you can see sort of dutch kind of cultivating 
a new, um, you know, like a cult of personality about him where it's like, it's not about the gang. It's not about the family, but it's about him. He's the one who's going to keep you safe. I think so too. I mean, Dutch as a character is more interesting at this point, at least to me, than Arthur or even John to a lesser extent. You know, he shows you that like all the, all the characters in the group, they only have nice things to say about him. Even Micah, who's like, doesn't seem to care about anyone's like, oh, I can't go back to Dutch without a peace offering. I got to go make a big score. Otherwise Dutch won't let me back in. Yeah. And it's, it's really amazing to watch this character, um, basically hold everybody together. He's the lifeblood, the lifeblood and soul of that group. And, you know, you can really see that. And that's why, that's why Arthur's willing to do anything for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it makes me think of like, okay, what did Dutch do originally? to get Arthur's trust. Why does Arthur trust this kind of, uh, not quite a psychopath, but he's certainly like a sociopath where he's just like a great manipulator of people. And so like, how did Dutch manipulate Arthur? Well, I think uh, it's mentioned pretty early on. And and I, if we hadn't mentioned this before, we're trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible. Um, we, uh, John mentions that, you know, he was picked up early by Dutch. And so I think part of the reason why he gets so much loyalty is, You'll notice the people in his group either seem to be really old people or really young people. He seems to know he can take people who are, you know, older, down on their luck, like uh, Pearson, or um, or people like Lenny or John when he was younger, who are just like young kids who are like, I can take on the world. And I all I need is a a guiding hand to help me through. And Dutch is like, what What's that? You need someone to be your puppet master? I I can do that. Sure. Why not? Yeah, and it's like he he preys on like the vulnerable. And also, like, the people with, like, chips on their shoulder, you know, someone who might have, like, a little inclination for wanting to have some sort of revenge or something like that, where it's like these, you know, this gang of people are rebels and everything like that. Um, people who have, like, either been abandoned by their families, by the government, you know, you see in the original with the Native Americans. Uh, they make, a, you know, a, a reference in the the cutscene in red dead redemption one the like one of the first ones it'd be like yeah we took the you know we took the natives land but you know what can you do kind of a thing so it's like you could see how it would be natural for him to want to get those people into sort of rising against you know people who are encroaching on their their lives out west well and you'll notice too that um oftentimes dutch doesn't really have anything going on he kind of just waits for the rest of his crew to get missions going and then he kind of jumps in on them once they're either already in motion or already over yeah that that that's funny like you mentioned that because one thing i noticed at least in the first camp uh is like dutch is not really a delegator but he's like you know he's certainly an observer he places his uh tent and everything like smack dab in the middle of camp where he can see everyone around him make sure everyone's in line but he doesn't really have anything of his own to contribute to the gang other than being this one central focus that everyone kind of gathers around which makes him the perfect manager <laughs> He's he's a crummy middle manager at a if he was like in the 21st century he'd be a crummy middle manager in just some office somewhere. Be the most terrifying boss ever. I need you to get those copies done by Monday or there will be hell to pay with those O'Driscolls. <laughs> the O'Driscolls. Kind of kind of going kind of going back into the um 
you know, story and, and characters. I, I'm, I'm curious, because um, you said you've been mainlining the main story missions. How much outside of that have you been um, experiencing? Because for me, what I've been responding to the most is not the actual plot. It's more of the environment and the storytelling around that um you know like meeting random people on the roads or in the wilderness who might need help or something like that um just curious like how much how much of that stuff have you been experiencing well i'll tell you a little story i'll spin you a yarn about what i was uh, what i was doing once i was trying to ride to a main objective see i did it again look at yeah. that that's weird. yeah i was gonna say like okay i'm gonna pull up to the campfire i'm gonna you know <laughs> make a little thing of coffee Perfect. It'll take you 20 minutes. Uh, but yeah, no, I was I was riding from one objective to another, and then um, a lady came out of the woods and was like, excuse me, mister, my horse died back there. Can you come help me out? And I was like, sure, lady, what do you need from me? And she was like, can you give me a ride back to camp? And I was like, oh, sure, that's fine. I'm, I'm Hopefully it's on the way of the objective that I'm going to. And she was like, great. It was the exact opposite direction. Yeah. And then I spent 40 minutes dropping her off and then turning around and going all the way back. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on getting to the storylines for a little bit. And then once I'm once I'm pretty good and clear of those, then I'll work on helping out the poor people. Oh, it's, it's funny, like along those lines, one of the things I sort of stumbled across was this guy who um, and it was in the like first city you come across, Valentine. Um, it's this man who's just insanely drunk and he just goes like, Hey, Hey, mister, can you point me the direction to, you know, I live in the saloon. Can you help me? And it'd be like, and of course I point him in the wrong direction because, you know, I think it's funny. That is very funny. Uh, yeah. So he starts like stumbling away and I think the game just intends you to, you know, walk away and do, you know, whatever. Uh, but I kept following him and he just keeps on like mumbling to himself about like, like the woes, you know, for his life. And you see like him sort of like telling the tale in a drunken slur of, uh, you know, how he sort of fell into like alcoholism and like lost his land and stuff like that. And eventually he just walks and then, stumbles across some train tracks and i'm like i wonder what's gonna happen if he just stays here sure enough train comes in boom it's this drunken man i'm like i could i should have probably helped him but no but that is sad and hilarious that's 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 rock star right there is sad and hilarious should be the tag line for their company <laughs> oh my god so I guess where where you are right now, I'm actually curious as to where you think the the narrative as a whole is going to go. Because for me, what I'm seeing is like, okay, I know characters X, Y, Z, you know, Prince Hall Alphabet are going to be dead eventually. We know this. In some cases, we're the ones who kill them. What is going to be the central sort of hook, as it were? Because for me, it's it's kind of very loosey goosey. Where at least where I'm at right now, um, so I'm just curious, what do you think is going to be sort of building as to what leads up to, in a lot of case, a lot of these characters' demise? So I think the thing that I'm going to be looking, well, I guess, the most forward to, but also kind of not, is um, learning where we're going to stop between the events that are happening now and what happens in Red Dead Redemption One. Because right now everything's everything's bad, but it doesn't seem too bad. So I'm something has to happen that causes all these people to split up and go their separate ways to set the stage for Red Dead Redemption One. 
I'm waiting to see what's going to come from that because it has to be something pretty big because as Dutch has already shown, he will do anything to keep these people together. And that would have to be a really big get to get them all to spread out and run away from each other like they do in Red Dead Redemption 1. Yeah, and I, th- I think on that on that line, uh, what I'm thinking of is because uh, in Red Dead Redemption 1, it's, it's sort of viewed as, okay, Bill uh, Williamson is the one who sort of took over the gang, as it were, from Dutch eventually. What's going to happen between their relationship to where Dutch is off doing his own thing with, you know, kind of one, like walking the earth, as it were, you know, trying to get a new gang going along with the Native Americans. And what does how does Bill sort of rise to power as it were? And I'm curious to see how the relationship between those two characters uh, builds over time. It's, it's a lot of unanswered questions, which the worst part about it is we will get answers to them, but we have to finish the game first. (laughs) (laughs) And finish it. They will knowing those guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed it, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us grow the show. And as always, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.